0: The Business Buzz Podcast. You're tuned to the Business Buzz. Business buzz. Good evening and welcome to the Business Buzz right here for your weekly dose of business, finance and economics news on Vfm 88.1. We're broadcasting live from our studios right here in Bramfontein, Johannesburg. My name is Mudiwa Mob Justice Kawaz and I'll be your host for tonight's show. We're going to be live until about 8pm. Who's to say that the world of business can't be entertaining? Uh, definitely make sure you hold on to your seats as we let you know how the world of business is affecting you and your partner. So for today's show, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, housing and insurance, as uh, most of us are familiar with the term. Uh, but I think things like courtesy cars, risk factors, are, are, are sometimes phrases that are casually thrown around. Uh, not to mention the dreaded the dreaded process uh, that's actually then associated with claiming. So today we're going to be discussing some of these risk factors, the loopholes and entrapments um, that are set and uh, some of the things to avoid when and an appreci- when it comes to appreciating assets such as your homes. So tonight we have a packed show uh with uh, three discussions we're going to be um talking uh, to Mr. Uh, Donald polo um, who is a regional town planner um our Uh, One of our big uh, financial experts, Ken uh, Ken Sweternam, is going to be giving us um, just some analysis around the economics of the issue. And then finally, uh, Peter Nkuna, who is a senior assistant ombudsman at the Office uh, for Short-Term Insurance, is going to be chatting to us about um, building, uh, from a building perspective around the economics of home insurance. So that's how the show is going to be looking like. As I said, we are here until about 8 p.m., so definitely make sure you keep it locked on the other side of this though we're going to be giving you the business wrap that's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's um, top trending business and economics news and then uh, we're also going to be telling you uh, what the state of your 100 rand is looking like in our buffalo index on social media, you can find us uh Facebook, that's uh, VOWFM Voice of Viz, and then we have our other Facebook page, that's the Vitz Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at VOWFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag BusinessBuzz, and then uh, 7 12 that's our WhatsApp line. You can also stream the station live um on VOWFM.co.za, but remember that podcast of the Business Buzz show will be available on viz.journalism.co.za forward slash business. So that's how the show is looking like, As I said, we are here until 8 p.m. Keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. The the Business Buzz. It's time for us to let you know what the week's top trending business and economics news has been looking like. And on the line, we're joined by our financial expert, um, Zanele Kunene from BDO Wealth Advisors. How are you, Zanele?
1: Yeah, Mujiwa, I always have a story. <laughs> <laughs> so, I feel like someone who has just bought a Huawei P30. And oh, I'm wow. like, what? Oh, wow. What is happening?
0: Oh, wow. Like, Talk to us.
2: What's I'm been going on?
1: You, and the thing is, Mujiwa, we've been talking about the trade war between the USA, USA and China for so long, for so many months. And I think a lot of people think it's far You know, like, it's not like, yeah, you know, it has nothing to do with that. And now we see it, you know, it's affecting you as an individual um, right now, because what the USA are doing is they are putting sanctions on the world's largest, second largest economy. And they're saying for all those, they're going to be looking, looking at more firms within China. You know, they're on a mission, the U.S. administration are on a hashtag, we are going to get you. This is food. <laughs> you know, and it's affecting us. And I feel like as, as um, South Africans, we must understand that whatever happens out there, it affects us locally because we're an emerging market. We're quite vulnerable to all those changes that happen there. And if we look locally, uh, we just had our elections, you know, and that also impacts the RAND, it impacts investors, it impacts how the markets perform as well. So it's very important that every young person, when you hear these things, don't be like, it's fine, it's just Brexit, it's just Venezuela. Hey, it's here, it's here, it affects us um so post elections moody has looked at our economy and they've remained um they have left our status unchanged um they've left it at the state at stable outlook status in other words that means they're saying investors can invest people can lend us money for now you know they're stable in a sense Um, And what that means is they'll be reviewing us again in November, but from now until November, we have to, as a country, get our things together. You know, we have to fix our problems. We have to look at structural reforms that will really make South South Africa's economy grow, you know. And we have to look at medium term as well as long term. You know, we can't only look at now and be like, okay, who is he putting in power? How is the cabinet aligned? Who's there? We also need to look in terms of in the next 10 years, what is what we are doing? What What, is it, what, um, what are these policies? How are these policies going to affect us 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line? We cannot always look here because here is not really, you know, it's not something we could um we could base our opinions on, you understand? Yep. Um This past week, we had um, at Video Wealth, we were hosting Linduya Mazubuko and she said something that really struck me. She said that if, for ESCOM, right, if we were to create a model, um, some kind of a strategy, right, and it works, we should then apply that strategy to all state-owned entities. That way we could then, um, we cannot, we will then not bump into these kind of situations. You know, we will not have our state-owned entities going through something such as this that brings the entire economy down because ISCOM did not only affect consumers, it is, it is investor confidence, businesses as well. So in order to avoid that in the future, we need to really create a model. And ISCOM is the perfect place in which we could then put that together. So to all the great minds out there, let's find a way in how we could build that strategy. Or else, what could happen if we do not do that? Um, City World Bank, um, the Government Bond Index, they will then be forced to sell um, assets worth billions of rands of South African bonds. What does that mean for you and me? That means that our currency is going to weaken, inflation is going to rise. You know, it's not going to be something far. City World Bank is not far, guys. It's close. Okay, so we need to ensure that government really does um, put together um, a plan and policies in order to ensure that we as a country, you know, we do well okay so let's pay attention if anything if they are proposing both let us be informed let us listen read if you have to vote you have to do something have your say or else we we could end up being um a zimbabwe in a sense and since Ramaphosa has come into power you know he's always um, stated that job creation, for one, is his main focus, and the second is reviving the economy. Those have been those have been his two concerns, and I feel as though those are very very important because they will help our GDP. In 2018, um, our GDP was at 0.8, percent and in the budget speech this year, they revised the midterm budget uh, speech forecast or. How much they are forecasting our growth for 2019 to be at 1.5 percent, and now the regulators are saying no, no, nah, that's too high. How about they've revised it now to one f percent? b has um they forecasted 9 percent. So we're not looking at a really great um, growth rate or growth yeah growth rate for um, 2019. So that's another thing um, President Lamaposa has to deal with right now he has to ensure that um we, we we find a way to revive the economy another stat that i saw was quite alarming which came out a few weeks ago was the unemployment rate which is very striking because it increased from last year you know last year we were 27 this year i believe it was now 27 point something percent however if you include those people who are what can I say, who have given up on finding a job, we are then at a 37% rate, right? uh, 37% of the populations unemployed, if we then include them within the stats, And that's worrying, because that's your, one of two things. One, we've got 37% of the population is looking into um, looking for government assistance. That means taxpayers' money you know, which could be used to build infrastructures, actually steered towards helping unemployed yeah. people. Um, if we look as well into credit, because now see, if you're unemployed, you, you have both, you know, you not those things do not stop. And then what you then do, you rely on credit. That means household debt then increases. So it's quite alarming that we do really look into this. Um, speaking about credit, um, the interest rate will remain unchanged at 6.75%. But I really just want your opinion, Medewa, you on this, because you're quite the economist. Um, if, let's per say, the FIB were to lose their independence, God forbid, no really God forbid, if they were to lose their independence, right, do you believe that government or parliament would then cut interest rates? In order to stimulate consumer spending do you think that would be something they would look into doing it's a tough
0: it's a tough one i've actually had uh i've actually once tried to pose that question to uh, a similar type of question to the deputy governor um yeah. and he he actually said that um what's interesting about the Saab is the fact that it's one of the few remaining um central banks around the world that is not state owned, and wow. i think yeah yeah', yeah it's a, i i i didn't know that on the day, but he he said that, and I think more than anything else it depends on the if the political will um, of the of the parties and Parliament is to um, allow the SOB to remain an independent body because as long as it remains an independent body, then the MPC will effectively then decide those rates. But if they decide to meddle in it, right? This mm. is this is where the this is where the issue is. The question we should be asking ourselves is, um, will I don't think I don't think lowering interest rates to stimulate spending would be the best move, uh, mm-hmm. personally. But I could see someone somewhere because parliament is large. I, I definitely could yeah, see yeah. someone saying, "Guys, let's do this thing," which wouldn't be in the best in the you know, what's it called it wouldn't be best for the country as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree because we know our parliament. I love our parliament. It's entertaining sometimes. But sometimes the decision making that happens there is unwarranted. <laughs> um so I do so I do believe SIB should remain independent. Um interest rates at six point seventy five percent, so your car payments the same, house payments the same. And if you have money in the money market, really great for you because it's the same. So no changes there. Um, inflation remains at the three to six percent bracket, so we're still safe on there. Um, it has decreased a bit from last month, but that's just one. Um, what, what I read about it was that uh, they said that it decreased quite. Uh, it decreased slightly due to you know consumer confidence. Consumers aren't really you know. Um, participating that much within the economy, but we could understand why we were all just waiting to see what will happen. But I do believe that Ramaphoria will pick up again and we will have the rand at 11, at 11 rand, <laughs> that rhymes. have uh, ambitious. But now the, yeah, but now the rand is at 14 rand, 45 cents, roughly around there. But we are hoping for the best. Ramaphoria must come back. You know, I need to buy things online. You know, I need to
0: <laughs> do that. Okay, so you heard that Ramaphoria needs to come back. That was our financial expert Zanele Kunene giving us uh, quite a roundup of the week's top trending in business and economics news. Um, one of the big things she's talking about is uh, now that we're in the post-election uh, era how is uh, Parliament going to implement and come up with uh, policies going forward and uh, how are those going to affect the economy? Um, a little bit of a question being raised just around the independence of the sob and whether Parliament Parliament might take it upon itself to perhaps raise or lower interest rates. Now, because today the MPC actually kept interest rates um, at the same rate, and you heard that inflation has uh, gone down marginally, um, according to statistics of South Africa. So that's it in terms of the business wrap. On the other side of this, we get into the state of your 100 grand. More justice on the business bars Today we are talking insurance. So... For the Buffalo Index, which is the part of the show where we tell you the state of your 100 Rand, what your 100 Rand or your Buffalo can do for you, I decided that perhaps uh, we could look at a slightly different type of insurance. And I actually went and I pulled up what I thought to be um, the most expensive. Cars to insure right now in 2019. A very interesting list, and uh, these are, I think, if I if I'm correct, these are annualized figures. So basically, at number 10, uh, Mercedes um, S-Class uh, will set you back uh, in just. These are just insurance figures, by the way. Um, it's going to set you back uh, around. Uh, thousand rand in insurance you know just for the uh, for the year. At uh, number 9 you have uh, a Mercedes SL63 will set you back around 51.2 thousand rand in insurance or or 512 buffalos. At number 8 the Mercedes S65 which is coming in 51.8 thousand rand which is around uh, 518 buffalos. Uh, 520 buffalos will get you insurance uh, for number 7 on the list which is the BMW i8 Um, and then uh, to insure a BMW M6 Grand Coupe um, will set you back um, 525 Buffaloes or 52.5 thousand Rand and then a BMW 760i uh, that's a 7 series will cost you uh, around 500 and uh, 3500 Rand notes in terms of insurance at number 4 uh, the Mercedes AMG GT will set you back 54.2 thousand rand in terms of insurance, and number three, the Porsche Panamera will cost you a whopping uh, 56.1 thousand rand in insurance. The Mercedes-Benz Maybach S um, 650 uh, will cost you uh, 566 buffalos or 50 or 56.6 thousand rand in insurance, and then at number one. The most expensive car to insure um, right now, probably in the world, is a Nissan GT-R uh, coming in at 569 Buffaloes or 56.9 thousand Rand in insurance costs. Very interesting, uh, you know, very interesting list because I think, you know, a lot of us are paying insurance, but you, we're not, and we grumble about it all the time. But imagine if you are the person who was paying, uh, you know, what could be an entire car on its own, you know, just in insurance costs. Uh, But, yeah, that's it in terms of our our Buffalo Index for today. On the other side of this, we get into our main topic. This is the business buzz. The, The business buzz. Remember that you can find us on uh, social media. Facebook, we are VFM. that's Voice of Vits. And our other Facebook page, that's the Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at VFM, And then our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. So as we get into... Our main topic has already been mentioned before that today we're talking about housing and insurance so very often when we talk about um, home insurance we talk about it from a, a monetary perspective uh, basically insurance premiums and claims but very seldom um, do we talk about it from a grassroots level and that is uh, from a building perspective what happens in the case of a natural disaster is your home uh, if your home is built um, on land that's particularly zoned uh, for res- Residential purposes uh, that's a, that's a big question and what are the implications of poorly built structures on insurance claims um, so we're going to be talking um, to a regional town planner um, on some of these issues um, so um, in studio we are joined by uh, Donald Mpolo who is a town planner founder and director at G6 development consultancy how are you Donald
2: I'm good in you.
0: Hmm. so uh I understand that somewhere in your repertoire of qualifications uh there's a inv- there's a property investment um qualification in there. Could you let our listeners know um what is th- the importance of having um property insurance one and two how does it tend to um actually help you know to protect people?
2: Well, um insurance um in its entirety is, mm. is 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 meant to actually assist one in case of um an emergency or in case of need so in this sector uh the property sector you you find cases funny enough where you actually need insurance yeah yeah so um as a property owner Yeah. It's. It's. I would personally advise uh, somebody to get uh, insurance yeah. on their property yeah. because you're dealing with an asset here. Yeah? We're dealing with so, an, an appreciating asset. So, uh, what better way not to, to to take care of it rather than not to insure it? Yeah. Yeah. And then, what are the
0: different types of um, property insurance that are out there? I guess we. Uh, I guess we could confine it to. Um, the one, the ones that people personally get, as opposed to maybe what businesses are getting.
2: Yeah, so it it, it runs across different types of properties yeah. and the different ownerships, as you mentioned, the business, insurance, and the and the, and the likes. But um, to to really simplify it uh, in personal insurance, there's actually those two two main types, which is your 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 general um, building insurance. Mm. And your household content insurance. Okay. Those are the simplest two types of form, two two forms. Mm. So the building content insurance would cover, uh, which is usually an add-on, would would, would actually cover um, your your couches, your fridges, your yeah. furniture basically, yeah. the content that's inside the property, and, and then the building insurance or the house cover that that actually looks at the actual physical structure or the immovable asset, yeah, yeah, so that covers uh that spec that that covers the actual house f- in case of uh, fires uh natural disasters those type of things so.
0: I think recently in KZN and uh, the Eastern Cape, um, there were, you know, a number of floods, you know, these natural disasters um, that tend to take place. I think in law we call them fortuitous events. Um, So when it comes to... I guess, insurance claims, how do insurance companies actually handle some of these things? I think it's one thing to have, you know, one house damaged. Yeah. But when it's a whole series, neighbourhoods and stuff like that, I think it it must be a bit of an issue.
2: Yeah, sure. It becomes a very big problem uh, because it's not... When it's like that, as the case that you mentioned, it's not just an insurance problem. It's the government's problem as well. So... Uh, from from the local authority to provincial actually yeah yeah so in that case well as as in, in speaking in terms of um in light of insurance um one you'd need let's say in the case that you have comprehensive insurance mm. house insurance you'd you'd actually need to actually uh go through uh the fine print which <laughs> Which actually you find that um, it stipulated, it's stipulated it it will obviously stipulate what you're covered for, yeah, but the the difference comes in in the listing of the types of natural disasters mm. you'd be covered for. Mm. Uh, you'd find some insurance documents which speak of um, lightning, flooding and things like that. But some would not speak of dolomitic, uh, bo- bo- dolomitic, issues or landslides or things like that. Yeah. So, in the case that you find yourself on a property that um, experienced line land- landslide and your insurance is just is not covered, then you sh- you're, sh- you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you're actually in trouble because yeah. now. Um, your 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 contract does not include it so it's always 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 highly uh, advisable for one to actually go through the contents the contents yes and the fine print
0: i like the fact that you have brought up the issue of um landslides um because in case um the the landslide that actually happened and caused the collapse of uh caused those collapses out there um, is said to be caused by an area by the area itself and that no one should have even been building houses in that area so could you explain just a little bit around how zoning um, actually works and what are some of the criteria I'm sure they're different in different parts of sure. uh, the country but how does uh, you as a town planner how do you say that you know this area is suitable for residential uh, property for example
2: yeah so actually starts uh way before yeah. um, in a process we call um a township establishment yeah that in that process that's where uh you'd have an application submitted at your local authority that mm. would stipulate which properties and which zonings you're actually applying for or you know you're proposing yeah and that 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 application is actually um annexed by different specialist reports. Mm. So your geotech report in, in in this instance would actually stipulate what if you can actually develop in in that land. Yeah. Or if um if you can't actually. In the case that you can, in most cases in for example, uh looking at your Centurion area, you find a lot of dolomitic areas in that in, in that a- region. So there when you submit the development application to council they would know at what densities you'd actually uh, be fit fit for the area so you won't you hardly find a case where you you, you apply and it's a very well-known area that um, it's very dolomatic or it has a lot of landslides but you're applying for high density development and it's actually approved yeah. by the council, because we trying to avoid cases such as the KZN case mm. yeah but when when
0: when a lot of damage has then been done mm-hmm. um i'm sure it then wakes up authorities to the fact that you know certain areas need to be rezoned and stuff like that you've just explained quite a lengthy process yeah right does that mean that if you want to rezone an area or at least zone it right quote unquote you have to go through that whole process again or is it uh, a different process that you have to do
2: so in in creating a township or forming a township we call it that but it's actually creating um a settlement mm. you know um, through that process of a township establishment there will be hotspot areas where you would not be permitted to develop. There would be flood lines. there would be, um, you know, different reports. Your EIAs, your geotech reports will actually uh, pinpoint such areas. So in the case that uh, you have properties that are zoned correctly yeah. in uh, a suitable area, but then uh in the case for example, let's say there's a flood line, but then there was over flooding this year mm. and then the properties are affected. Yeah. Yeah. So now it becomes a an insurance and a council issue. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: in, in in a particular case where um I guess houses are washed away or damaged in an area that where building wasn't even meant to have happened. Can residences actually take the government or town planners such as yourself <laughs> <laughs> to court, actually? Because, you know, people will be looking for someone to blame.
2: Yeah, no, sure. Yeah. Well, uh, again, it's it's dependent on um, the... Yes, yes. To to answer the, the long and short of it, um, yes. Really? Depending yeah, okay. on if that area... Was approved for such. So, if you go to, um, let's say, the Sky View, the yeah. Sky River, yeah, and you find a lot of informal settlements and people build houses there. That's not an approved area. Yeah, and the river floods yeah. and washed houses are washed away. Yeah, you can. Remember in the Constitution it is your human uh, right your, your your right to property and things mm-hmm. like that but uh, you can't really say, look, Mr government, my house is washed is washed away, make a plan yeah. but in the essence of it, the government is liable for our lives you know, <laughs> you know. so yeah. but um, technically, you built in an incorrect area yeah yeah but we do know that the realities of 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 society the realities of south africa there is a huge demand for for housing there is um we 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 need housing and um, we tend to, to to develop everywhere most of the times
0: okay cool so, in terms of, uh, I guess you know, going forward, one can insurance companies actually insure a property that's in an area where um, it wasn't it wasn't sanctioned. So, if I've built my house in an area where, I guess, someone like yourself has said this, uh, you can't develop here. Yeah. Can insurance can can I can can I be play? Can an, does an insurance company have to? Do due, due diligence in that case to say is was this house built in the correct area?
2: Yeah. So remember when an insurance gives you a quotation, right? Yeah. It's based on your risk for profile. Yeah. So the same with property. Yeah. So if they they are aware of what's happening in the area and they're still willing to give you an insurance, yeah. Then and st- clearly stipulated in your contract that we will insure you in case of um, earthquakes, uh, subsidence, and flooding, those type of cases, yeah. then they will. They, they have to. They have to. They have to. They have to. Yeah. It's a country. Yeah. So it is not actually <laughs> your problem if they did not do their due diligence, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then finally, um, I guess from a more uh, professional point of view, um, I think when we say town planner, you know, I think people might think it's it's a basic thing of you plan towns, uh, but could you just let our listeners know um you know what what the job entails and what is you know when we say sustainable town planning what we're talking about
2: yeah, that's i need two hours <laughs> 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 but um yeah um town planning in it's uh profession has come a very long long way yeah uh, and it, th- the good thing about it it's very dynamic it's changing daily
0: yeah
2: it's changing daily and um well our our main job basically is to to sort out problems <laughs> <laughs> yeah um we on a daily basis uh well there are different sectors to yeah. town planning, but our daily basis is to create um sustainable human settlements
0: yeah
2: is to uh put place uh you and I
0: yeah
2: on sustainable locations yeah that that um that are quite actually sustainable and not degrading to the environment yeah and so bring up that sustainability issue um it's it's we know we know we're moving into the fourth we're in actually the fourth industrial revolution yep. we're looking at that now um it's always vital for planners today to look at um, the broader scheme of things rather than just Back then, we, we, we looked at just environmental sustainability. We also need to consider a, a whole wide of a range of things, such as institutional sustainability, the economical aspects of it as well, yeah. um, the social aspects of it as well, and you know the actual environmental aspects and political, you know, it cuts across, and these are all integrated elements or principles that um, today's planners are faced with, mm. you know um development is always popping up but it's it's from me as a consultant it's i'm always pushing and helping clients to push for development but again uh my colleague on the other end who's a council representative is also tasked with this mammoth job to actually try and curb and control development basically Mm. yeah so that was us
0: we are in studio Um, thank you so much to David Ampolo, who is the town planner founder and director at G6 development consultancy as you heard um, it's very important to have um, home insurance in place uh, but more than anything else you need to always make sure that you are building in the right areas and uh, insurance companies can do their due diligence uh, for that and also uh, I like the way he described his job, that they are in the business of uh, creating sustainable um, settlements, which I think, you know, as he said, basic human right, and also in the part of the Constitution, you know, the right to property and a good place to live and the like. So uh, that's uh, where we ended on that part of the show. On the other side of this, we're sort of getting more into the economics around um, housing and housing insurance. Uh, so keep it locked. This is... The business buzz.
1: More justice
0: on the business buzz. We are talking housing insurance, and right now we want to just maybe focus in on some of the economic factors. And on the line, we are joined uh, by one of our financial experts here on uh, the business buzz, uh, Ken swetenham uh, who is an economist, just to give us some of those. How are
3: you, Ken? I'm very well this evening, and yourself. Huh?
0: Oh, fine, thank you. Um, I guess from an economic point of view, uh, could you explain to our listeners, is it really that important to have um, housing insurance?
3: It's, in my opinion, absolutely critical. And in fact, if you buy a property which is bonded to, uh, through a mortgage bond to the bank, having a homeowner's insurance on the structure of the property is in fact a, a requirement by the bank in order for you to get uh, bond insurance. Yeah. Of course you also get insurance on the contents of your property and and, and that is optional uh, for for you to purchase. Huh?
0: And I think one of the big things that people, you know, tend to wonder about especially when they're um dealing with insurance companies is um cases where payouts aren't made and in a lot of cases insurance companies will tend to um cite a number of interesting reasons. What are some of the things that uh, I guess people can uh, avoid so that they can, you know, not have their their claims refused when it comes to home insurance?
3: Well, certainly if you're talking about uh, the 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 actual structure of the property, you've got to be very very aware of what's in the contract. The the insurance companies will provide you with an insurance policy or normally sent through email nowadays. And I think most people move it into a folder on their on their computer <laughs> and they never read it. And I, I guess the first thing for any purchase of not only home insurance, but any insurance policy is take the time and read the contract and make yourself aware of the terms and conditions invariably the insurance companies will refuse to pay because you 've not met a term and condition of the policy or it's in fact a claim which is not even covered under the policy so it's very important that you know what you 're covered for you know what the terms and conditions are because you can bet the insurance company is certainly going to abide by those terms and conditions when when it comes to to the claims process <laughs>
0: and then in South Africa I, the, we have uh two groups of people uh one is uh there are a lot of people that rent properties and then uh on the other side there are a lot of informal settlements so we're talking uh to our previous guest just around i'm uh, um, having informal settlements uh and stuff like that is uh i guess the question is can a person get insurance on an on an informal structure or a structure that they don't own themselves
3: well, to answer the latter part of the question first, uh, and we'll talk about people who rent properties, people who rent a property cannot get insurance on the structure of the property. They, they can insure the contents because one assumes the contents of the property actually belongs to the person who is the tenant in that property. But the, the uh, actual insurance on the structure of the property, it is the obligation of the owner to take insurance on that, not the person who is the tenant in that property. And if you go to informal structures, and, and I heard a, a briefly your, your previous uh, uh, guest, um, they, they, where the insurance companies do due do, do diligence on the areas, and I, I would imagine most insurance companies would not insure informal structures. They would consider it uh, far too high a risk for damage. Uh, we hear about fires often spreading right through informal settlements, uh, especially in the winter months, and, and in my opinion, the insurance companies would consider that, far too high a risk and I would think it's unlikely that an informal structure could actually be insured.
0: And then I think something that's interesting about the way that insurance is paid or paid out is the fact that uh, people tend to pay different types of insurance uh, not different types, different amounts for the same types of insurance Um, How do um, insurance companies actually come up with Uh, our previous guest alluded to risk profiles and you've also mentioned risk profiles. How do they um, create um, this profile and what are some of the factors um, that see, let's say, myself paying um, a thousand rand for my home in insurance but Donald paying 1.5 for his home in insurance?
3: Yes, you're quite right and and it is all based on risk. Uh, the, the, The big insurance companies all employ actuaries and the job of an actuary is for want of a better word, to do the number crunching. And they will look at the history of insurance, which we do have in South Africa going back many, many decades now. They look at the rate of risk in certain areas. They look at the, the risk of the environment that, that property may be in. Uh, and this is exactly why why we, if we go from uh, something like an informal structure, which you've just mentioned, where they will not be prepared to insure at all, and they may, then may go to a, a property which is in a stable area, in a good area, where the risk of damage to the property is very, very low, and not only through um, natural causes but through non-natural causes as well. And the lower the risk, the insurance company considers. The, 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 the policy that they're issuing, the lower the premium. And it, again, it not only applies to home insurance, but all forms of insurance. If the insurance company deems that a lower risk, then you get a lower premium. So it's really, it really all depends on where your property is situated, and the lower risk areas will definitely get a, a lower premium for a property of the same value.
0: And then I guess lastly, because you've already you've started touching on low premiums, should people be looking for the low premiums um, or should they be looking at, I guess, the most comprehensive cover that they can get?
3: Well, there's there's, there's no right answer to that and it's, it's it's certainly up to the individual. You have to keep in mind that, that most people when they buy a property are buying it mortgage through the bank. Uh, very few people, especially young people, are in a financial position to pay cash for their properties. And the bank invariably offers a Homeowners insurance, which is linked to the bonds, the premiums are debited to the bond account, and you pay that insurance through, through your bond. And the banks do sort of lean towards the fact that you don't have a choice but to take out the cover that they offer you. In fact, you do have a choice. You have every right to say to the bank that you do not want to take up their cover, and you can shop around for your own cover looking for possibly more comprehensive cover and or looking for cheaper premiums and then of course you provide your bank with proof that you have the cover in place most of us take the cover that the bank offers us simply because it's quicker and it's easier and we want to get the bond through obviously when you're buying the property (laughs) if you're fortunate enough to have your property fully paid for then you can really shop around and you can either do it yourself although that can be quite time consuming or you can ask a short-term insurance broker to do it for you and like uh, most homeowners' policies will cover pretty much the same thing. There's not necessarily one that's more comprehensive than the other. But um, you could certainly find a difference in premiums by, by shopping around the various short-term insurance companies. And if you have the time and, and the inclination to do that, yes, indeed, you you could probably save yourself a few rand every month on those insurance premiums, huh? So,
0: that was us on the line. We're talking to Ken Sweatenham, and he's telling us that you need to read the fine print when it comes to um, your insurance contract, your insurance agreement, and then explaining us well that when it comes to building a risk profile uh, for different types of individuals in different types of areas, um, the insurance companies tend to take a lot of different factors um, into considerations, particularly um, the location and area that you are trying to live in. On the other side of this, we are coming to the end of the show. Uh, We have one more um, guest. That's uh, Peter Kuna, who's going to give us um, just some of the services that are being offered by um, the Ombudsman for short-term insurance. This is The Business Buzz. The, The Business Buzz. We are talking House insurance, right here on the business buzz, and right now it's time for us um, to actually talk to um, Peter Kuna, who is joining us on the line, um, who is a senior assistant ombudsman, um, just giving us uh, for the short-term insurance uh, ombudsman. So, um, Peter, how are you? thank you,
4: and how are you? I'm
0: fine. I'm fine, thank Until very recently, I did not know that there was actually an ombudsman for, you know, short-term insurance. Could you just give our listeners uh, some highlights just around uh, the type of work that you're doing and the services that are offered? And and do they cost um, consumers anything? All right.
4: Um, I'll start with the second question first. Um, We do not... Have any direct cost to the consumer. Yeah. And I will touch on that a little bit later. Um, but the services that we offer are basically as far as um, any dispute that a consumer may have with their own insurance company, um, we should uh, be able to assist in terms of investigating the dispute. And um, when we have gathered all the facts around the dispute, we can then also adjudicate. And if we find that um, the consumer was not treated correctly or fairly, yeah. we can then uh, make a finding in favor of that consumer, and they would then uh, gain the benefit that they lost out on, um, on the insurer ad in whichever way that it would have handled the, the matter.
0: Now, what are some of the main reasons why um, home insurers uh, tend not to pay or um, agree on certain claims? And how can consumers actually protect themselves or avoid um, some of these situations
4: where their claims are refuted? Okay. I I think the, the best advice that I would give to any consumer is to understand that Their policy is not uh, a a maintenance plan of sorts. There are certain things that they need to do themselves and and largely those would fall under what we would call maintenance. So um, you need to take care of your property uh, so that you, say, guard it against whatever risks. And then you find that even though one may be diligent in that regard, certain things will happen it it will rain and maybe a little bit too heavily for what you're accustomed to and damage may happen or there could be hail or a storm or something similar and you suffer a loss as a result of that that is when your insurance policy will come in and assist you to to make sure that um, if there are any repairs that need to be done you can do that without spending a whole lot of your money and as you pay obviously there will be an excess that you pay, but that will be much lower than if you had to carry the whole cost yourself. Yeah. That's basically how, how your, your police would assist you. So you're saying
0: that um consumers need to just know that there's a difference between these different these uh the structures that you just mentioned. Maintenance yes. versus um actual and actual insurance.
4: Yeah, and um, and and I I I think currently there, there are so many things that are changing in the world that um, I think in, maybe in the last twenty years or so, um, now you may probably find that there are. So that that tend to be more of maintenance plan than insurance yeah. uh, but in the old days there used not to be a lot of, of a maintenance plan if there are any today I, I wouldn't necessarily um uh, but, but I think from looking at the complaints that we get um, there seems to be a sentiment amongst consumers that because I pay my premium if anything had to happen to my property the insurance company then has to it out. It's their problem. And sometimes you even find people saying, I I, I had the earlier part of the interview, in instances where there is a bond on a property and the insurance part of it falls within the same banking stable. And people don't even distinguish between the insurance company and the bank itself. And what they will be saying will be arguments along the lines of no, but this is the bank's house. The bank might just sort it out. They didn't even tell me that there was something wrong with this house when I bought it. Um, <laughs> as, if, as, as if it was the bank that bought the house, when yeah. it was they that bought the house. So things like that. And, and, and I think ultimately all that it says is that um, we don't understand the products that we buy. Yeah. And it is. Of the utmost importance that we familiarize ourselves with these contracts and we understand these products that we are buying so that we know how to best deal with um instances where you have to claim you understand your own duties and responsibilities so that you don't fall foul of um the benefits that the the the, the policy provides for you
0: And then shifting over, I guess, to the law, specifically consumer law, are there any, um, I guess, one, are there any protections? Two, does consumer law actually cover um, issues of insurance? Because I think a lot of people out there, um, actually, whether we're talking housing insurance or any other type of insurance, um, often feel like they're being ripped off. And
4: There there is a lot of, of... uh, legislation which which protects consumers. Um, f- for example, recently there, there have been a, a few pieces, sorry, few pieces of legislation that were enacted um, that pretty much govern how um, financial institutions, including um, insurance companies, by the way, are supposed to handle their customers and within those frameworks and um, there are lots and lots of protection Um our our office as well is one of those mechanisms through with the law uh provides protection to the consumer yeah. so if one is not happy with what is happening between themselves and their insurance company and um, they can come to an independent organization being ourselves, which can then look into the matter and objectively assess uh, whether there is some recourse and whether there is some rem- remedies uh, to which the the they, complainant would be entitled, and then well, hopefully they'll get something at the end of uh, that whole process.
0: So, that was us on the line with the Senior Assistant Ombudsman, Peter Nkuna, uh, who is the Ombudsman for uh, Short-Term um, Insurance, um, giving us some of the more practical um, guidelines around insurance. I think that the last thing he said is actually quite interesting, the fact that um, they are tasked as an independent body to actually enforce the law uh, that protects consumers or before uh, or around um, Insurance companies that try to take advantage um, of consumers, and they are uh, an outlet through which people can actually go and get their disputes uh, resolved. On the other side of this, we do come to the end of the show. Uh, It's been a fascinating one, Uh, so keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. The, The Business Buzz. And with that, we've come to the end of the show. Thank you so much to everyone uh, who participated in our show. Um, Thank you so much to all our guests, uh, Peter Nkuna, Senior Assistant Ombudsman for Short-Term Insurance, as well as uh, Ken Swetanem, our uh, resident financial expert on the business bus, together with uh, Donald um, Polo, who is a town planner, who actually um, took time um, to be with us here in studio, just giving us um, what the lay of the land is. I think some big takeaways, the one major one is the fact that um, all three um, experts said to us that when it comes to insurance, particularly um, housing insurance, you just need to know what's going on. You need to read the contract. And I like the, the, the issue that was raised by Peter, the last interview where he said, people sometimes don't know what they're buying when it comes to insurance. So I think people need to protect themselves by first educating themselves. So that's it in terms of the Business Buzz for today. Now, definitely make sure you tune in the same time, same place next week. But otherwise, before and in between, you can keep in touch with us on Facebook. We are Val FM, that's Voice of Viz. And you can also find our other Facebook page. That's at the Viz Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at VAWFM. And then our hashtag is hashtag buzz, And then our WhatsApp line is 0840784912. You can also stream the station live at vowfm.co.za. And remember that podcast of the business. Buzz show are available on fitstonejournalism.co.za forward slash business. So with that, we've come to the end of tonight's show. Uh, thank you so much to our amazing team, our technical producer that's Kutluano Serame, together uh, with our executive producer um, Simba Honde together with our head of production. That's a uh, Glory Mabuza, and then uh, we have uh, our, our producers. That's Lonwabo uh, Ciebie, um Slindile MCV, and Ntando Klimba. So don't miss the Business Buzz. Same time, same place next week um, for more insight into the world of business. Um, remember that uh, the Business Buzz show is sponsored by ABSA. For myself, Mudiay Mob, Justice Kavaza, and the rest of the team. It's good evening, and take care.
4: More justice on The Business Buzz. The Business Buzz Podcast.